0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Brothers and sisters, uh, our respected guests among the non-Muslims. Our respected Sheikh Abu Ayman who just gave to us some points of nasiha to guide us and to advise us. We thank him inshallah and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve him and to give him long life inshallah for the work and the benefit and the service which he is providing for this community. What I understand is that our topic this evening is where did you come from and where are you going? It is an appropriate question. It is a two-part question. It is an appropriate question for us as Muslims and it is an appropriate question for those people who don't know anything about Islam. And I will attempt Uh, to offer this question or to answer this question or to make a proposition concerning this question to the non-Muslims and I will also do it as a reminder for those of us who are Muslims. It would seem to most people that if we ask the question, where did you come from and where are you going, it's just too simple of a question. Somebody will ask, so what do you mean by that? What could we mean by that? It's a very simple question. Where did you come from? And where are you going? If you think that it is such a simple question, I also think so. But I'll tell you that most of us, before we answer those two questions, we have already spent two-thirds of our life. Because the first third of our life, from like the time we we're born until the time we we're 20 or 25, we are having so much fun. We have so much energy. We got so many things to do that we don't have no time to be thinking about where I came from and where I'm going. It's still like what I'm doing. The next third of our life, we're trying to appreciate what we have accomplished enjoy what we have acquired, and by the time we reach the top of the hill and start looking down at the grave, one of the answers about where we're going, two-thirds of our life has already been spent. Now, this fundamental set of questions could be answered in a limited manner Or it could be answered in a comprehensive manner. In a limited manner, if we say, where did you come from? We could mean, what country of origin? That's what most people would think. Where do you come from? Somebody will say, I come from Egypt. Or I come from Somalia. I come from America. I come from this place. I come from that place. That's a limited answer. Or they would say, my city. I'm from Melbourne. I'm from New York. Or they would say, oh, where am I coming from? Well, I'm just coming from an activity. I just came from home. I just came from the job. Or your social environment. Where did you come from? Or more accurately, more comprehensively, the real meaning of where did you come from is what is the origin of your creation? Now handle that. Handle that question. What is the origin of your creation? Now all of a sudden you don't get such a direct, impromptu answer. What you mean, origin? What you mean, creation? Origin means beginning. It even means before your existence before you existed, there had to be a plan, there had to be a purpose, there had to be an intent. That was the origin. Creation is another word that we'll handle a little bit later on. That's one part of the question. The next part of the question is, where are you going? It also can be answered in a very limited or in a comprehensive manner. Where are you going could mean, where are you going after here? After here, that means hereafter. It could mean my next activity. Where are you going from here? I'm going home. I'm going to my friend's house. I'm going to dinner. Or it could mean the next place that you will reside. Where are you going from here? Well, if I leave Melbourne, I'm going to live such and such place. It could also mean your direction in life. Where are you going? I'm on my way to graduate from school. I'm on my way to, uh, to retire from work. I'm on my way to acquire this. I'm on my way to acquire that. I'm headed towards such and such a career. I'm headed towards this or that. It could mean that. More comprehensively, and finally, it means your final destination. Handle that. What will be your final destination? So you ask, what do you mean by that? I mean exactly what I said. Final means finished, over, through, the end, nowhere else to go, death, the grave, dark, destruction, despair. It all means all that too. Surprise. It means all of that. The unknown, the unseen, the unthinkable, because you didn't think about it. For example, think about a trip. Think about life like a trip, because that's all it is. It's just a trip. Our Prophet he said, I am in this world like a rider who is on his vehicle or his mount and he gets down off of it and he eats and drinks or he prays and he rests for some time and then he gets back on his mount or his vehicle and he continues his trip so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he gave us an example of this world that we are on a trip and we have been dropped into this world to eat and to drink and to rest and to work for some time and after that we will get back on this mount vehicle and we will be headed towards another destination. Another example. The life of this world has three parts. It's like getting on a train. And you've got three stops to make. So your ticket has three parts. When you start out, you're given a ticket. The ticket has three parts. So while you're in the womb of your mother with no consciousness at all, this is one part of your trip. And when you're born, you enter the world. So one part of the ticket is torn off and thrown away. You will never get that ticket again. No refunds. That ticket is gone. That part of the journey is over. You will not go back to the womb. It's a one-way trip. One ticket, one part of the ticket, gone. Then you're in the life from a child to you're an adolescent, teenager, young adult, mature adult, middle age, my age. Others among you, more than that, until we meet the grave, death and the grave. So when you die, the moment that you die, and all of you will die, another part of the trip is over. And that part of the ticket is torn off and is gone. You will not return back to this life. Nobody has. It's over. So the womb is over, and the earth is over. And now you're headed towards the tomb. The womb, the earth, the tomb. When you get to the tomb, that's another trip. And you will be on that trip until you are raised back up by the one that sent you into the womb, into the earth, and decreed for you to go to the womb to the tomb when you come out of the tomb another part of the ticket is torn off that is it It's finished now another trip another life another existence another time another vehicle another place will take place for all of us. Three parts the womb, the life the tomb, the hereafter When we ask the question, where did we come from? The creator says to us that he has created everything from Nutva all the human beings created from nutfah. Nutfah, it means spermatic fluid. So every one of us sitting in this room is nothing but a sophisticated sperm drop. That's all dressed up, sophisticated, Educated, arrogant, proud, having acquisitions, names, titles, calling yourself tribes, families, angry, arrogant, poor, rich, male, female, black, white, sophisticated, dressed up, sperm drops. Nutfa. the question is, Where did the nutfah come from? It is not the issue of what came first, the chicken or the egg. That's not a question. What came before the chicken and the egg? That is the answer. The chicken and the egg, both were created. Whether at the same time or one after the other is not the issue. It is that they were both brought into being, and you and I also was brought into being. So if we were brought into being, that is, we were brought into existence, if we were brought into existence by someone's will, by someone's determination, then there is someone who has willed existence. And what is existence? Go to your dictionary, go to the Funk and Wagner, go to the, uh, the Oxford, go to the Merriam-Webster dictionary and look up the word existence. It says everything, everything within space and time. Now think about that. Everything that is governed, everything that is within space and time there is not even a description in any language that can tell you exactly what is within space and time. So it means that human beings have no way to truly define something that they believe is infinite. Although it is not infinite, it is finite. Space and time has limitations, but we have never traveled there. Space and time are our limitations. For instance, the Quran says Awdubil Bismillahi Rahman Rahim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sacred scripture called the Quran. In the Arabic language, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He swears, not curses, but swears by something we cannot deny. He calls it Asr time. It could be imagined by us like an hourglass. You turn it and you let it go. At the end, it's all over, it's finished. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the heavens and the earth, through a divine scripture revealed to Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to us in one of those verses, in one of those chapters, he said, wal asr. So he says, he's swearing, By the time, so that you know that the one who's speaking has the power because he is swearing by something that he has given to us. He's swearing by something that we have no way to measure. He's swearing by something which is definite. He's swearing by something that if there was nothing else that he had power to show us, time would be enough. Because everyone is regulated by what? Time. Time to get up, time to go to bed. Time to make the donuts. time to eat, time to go, time to come, time to do this, time to do that, time to get paid, time to die, time to live, time to work. Time to everything is governed by the time. The black, the white, the male, the female, every human being is governed by the time. The presidents, the chairmans, the champions, everyone is governed by time. You only have a certain amount of it, time. Everyone is looking at the time, what time we started, what time we end. Everyone is governed by the time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the heavens and the earth, sent a revelation to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he swore and he said, wal Asr. Then he said, In al-insana, surely, all the human beings from the past and the present and the future. How many they might be? Countless number of human beings. All of them They are losers. They will lose everything that they have gained. They will lose everything they have been given. They will lose their sight. They will lose their mind. They will lose their strength. They will lose their wife, their husband, their children. And eventually, they will lose their lives. Has anybody got any doubt about that? Anybody got any doubt about that? You got doubt that you're going to lose eventually everything, including your life. If there's somebody here who won't lose that, somebody who won't have some doubt about that, stand up and tell us who you are because you must be a Martian. And even if you are a Martian from Mars or you're a Moonian from the moon, whomsoever you are, you will die because you're just a part of the creation. Illaladina amanu, except the people who have a contract of faith. Except the people who have a contract, a trust. The people who have entered a trust, a contract, an awareness. And they have, as a result of this contract and this awareness, they have adopted a certain position. Illalla Ladina Amanu. The position is that they have faith. They have a commitment. They are aware. They are conscious. Wa'aminu salihat, and they have begun to act responsible. Aminu salihat means good actions, as the Sheikh spoke about good actions. That means actions that bear good fruits, responsible actions. Watawasau, and they cooperate. Bilhaq with truth. Watawasau, bissabar, and they are patient and they are perseverant with issues that come up as a result of this life. One of our scholars, Imam Shafi'i Rahimullah, Imam Shafi' he said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he was asked the question, what's the meaning of this ayah? Can you comment on this ayah? And Imam Shafi'i was really wise. He realized that many people commented before him. Books were written about this same surah. He said, If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not revealed to His creatures any other surah, any other evidence except this short surah, three verses, لَكَفَتْهُمْ It would be enough for them. It would be enough. Why? Because in that surah is all the answers about the life, where we come from, where we are going. Let's talk for a moment about where we come from. Let's talk about the creation, the evolutionary development, the bringing into existence of the human being. Let's talk for a moment about that. Let's reflect a little bit about that. Now, I'm speaking more particularly to the non-Muslims. Because the Muslims, we have no doubt. We already got the evidence. We already got the getaway card. You know the getaway card. Don't leave home without it. American Express, whatever you want to call it. We all got the Diners Club, American Express. We got a better card than that. We got the getaway card. It's called that. But for those that don't have the getaway card, those that do not have their card activated, they are not aware, then I want to talk about this to you in particular. And before I talk to you, I want to make sure there's some non-Muslims sitting here, because I might be assuming that there's some non-Muslims sitting here, and I'm talking to all Muslims. That means I might be talking to people I think did not pay their way, and everybody here has paid. So now, how many non-Muslims are here? Can you just raise your hand so I know that you are a non-Muslim? no non-Muslims here? Non-Muslim. One, can I see another non-Muslim? No other non-Muslims? Two. Three, four, five, six, all right, good. 10, 12, 15, maybe 20. Muslims didn't do too good a job tonight. Whenever 600 Muslims, that's what I see out here now, Six or 700, maybe 400, 500 Muslims come to a gathering that was supposed to be food for non-Muslims and all of you came to eat, something went wrong. This happens all the time. We set the plate for non-Muslims, and the Muslims come eat up the food. All you Muslims, shame on you. you got non-Muslim neighbors, non-Muslim colleagues, non-Muslim co-workers, and some of you say you have non-Muslim friends. But you couldn't convince them to come here. You couldn't bribe them. You couldn't give them $10.00. You couldn't give them a promise of dinner? And they are convincing you and your children every single day to join them in actions which is haram, actions which is makru, and endeavors that will lead you away from the path of Allah, and you pay for it, and you do it, and they don't even ask you. You do it. But you can't convince them to come. Shame on you. That's our condition as Muslims. You don't believe you got the goal. If you believed you had the goal, you would invite people to it. And if you believed that this goal could be given out, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to give it out, and every time you gave it out, Allah would replenish it. You would give it out. But you don't think that, Muslims. You believe. Somehow or another, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused you to lose your identity. You are no longer proud of Islam. You have an inferiority complex. You are being invited to dunya, but you cannot invite people to deen. What is our problem, Muslims? Okay, that's another subject. I know you Muslims don't want to hear that. Let me talk to my non-Muslim colleagues. Let me talk to them for a minute about this issue, the creation, the evolutionary development of the bringing into existence the human being. According to the Quran, which is supported by science, Not that the word of God need to be supported or proven by science, because the word of God is supreme. Science is still finding out. But for those of us who follow the role of science, science means gradual discovery through applied knowledge. Science, gradual discovery through acquired knowledge. So the creator of the heavens and earth, he said, Verily, he has created everything from water. The whole world, the whole cosmos, as we know it, is made up of gas. A gas. Out of space, inside ourselves, gas. The basic proponent of gas is water. H2O. There's the proof of the Quran. The Quran was revealed close to 1,500 years ago. Science just discovered that the cosmos is made up of gas, maybe just about 80 or 90 years ago. So man is made of water. And an earth substance, that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. He created you from from nutfa, and after that he calls it turab. Another place he called it teen, clay, dirt, substance. So man is made of two kinds of substance. Dirt, earth, substance, and water. We know that our bodies is made of three quarters of water, we know that. Three quarters of water. That's why when a person dies, gradually the body shrivels up like a dry leaf because there's no more water. The skin dries up, the eyeballs dry up, the, the, all the organs dry up, the tongue dries up, the hair falls out, and nothing is left except just a dry corpse. And the only thing that continues to grow maybe is the hair and the nails until a person looks like a snake because the human being is made of water. Man is formed from a spermatic fluid. You don't like to hear that word sperm, what do you mean a sperm? Sperm. Yeah, sperm, Shot out from the loins. That's what we are. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by His qadr, by His order, by His design, He caused that sperm to rest in a place where it is met with the egg, which was produced from the process or the cycle of ovulation from the womb of the woman. Yes, that's what it is. And in case some of you came through a different process, you know, maybe you're a test tube baby. Even if you're a test tube baby, then your womb was the test tube. But the process was the same. Man is formed from spermatic fluid and the mixing with the eggs produced during the ovulation period of the female. Then man is an embryo, an embryo that means like a clot of blood without any real identifying features. Then man is a fetus, a clump of blood that starts to form it starts to have something that we can recognize then it becomes gradually the formation and the embryological, the embryologists, they tell us the first part of the human being, what is it? it is the brain Subhanallah the first part of the human being that is formed out of the fetus, it is the brain after the brain, it is the heart so there is first The cerebral process. After that, it is the cardio process. The brain, then the heart. Within 40 days, the doctors can hear and they can now see a heartbeat. (laughs) The muscle is already beating. The child is not even formed. But the brain is there and the heart is beating. So what did the Prophet say to us? When one of you is inside the womb of your mother and 40 days afterwards, what did he say? A a malaik, an angel, an agent sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters the womb and says to that child or commands that child, whether that child will be of the righteous or whether it will be of the corrupt, whether it be of the happy, whether it's going to be of the sad. And then all the things for its life becomes what? Written for them said 1,500 years ago the prophet said that. Now we know now that in the first trimester, they call it, in the first trimester, they say this is when the the child becomes a person. A person. So the brain and the heart, after the brain and the heart, then the lump of flesh is covered with bones. Bones is covered with flesh, brain, heart, body, the lump, after the lump, lump called mudga, after that, bones, flesh. After the bones and the flesh, then there comes the formation of the nervous system, the endocrine system, the eyes, the nose, the ears, the hands, the feet, the reproductive organs, the hair, the nails. Yet all of this is of no consequence, meaning all of this the nutfa, the sperm, the egg, the clot of blood, the fetus, from the fetus to the form, to the shape, to the bones, to the skin, the hair, the nails, the eyes, everything, no consequence except if it has ruh, if it has a spirit, because if it is not given a spirit to carry it through that term, we say that it is stillborn. Stillborn, it means it went through the whole process but it comes out of the womb without any life. And that is a determination that the father or the mother nor the child itself can determine for themselves. If it is not given the spirit, that is the life force itself, it is not a human being. It dies inside the womb. And it comes out of the womb as a dead thing. I ask you what brought this life force into existence? We don't know where the sperm came from. We don't know where the human being came from. We don't know from where this life force came from. Yet we know it is a force. We know it is an entity. We know it is an energy. Like the sun is energy. The moon is energy. The electric in the, in the walls is energy. Our breath is energy. The life we have is energy. And it is all limited, but it is given to us. So this existence, the placing of this existence, this determination called life, comes about by some phenomenal authority a phenomenal authority i didn't say a governmental authority because that's not a phenomena your life did not come about because the queen wills you to be here that's a government authority or the prime minister No, the Queen and the Prime Minister and all the Prime Ministers and all the Queens and the Kings and all the governments themselves comprise of human beings who themselves have been given a life force. So you non-Muslims, all of you out there, you have come about, you are in this world because you have been given the gift of a life force, a gift. A gift means someone who is the benefiter. Someone who themselves is the one that gives you the gift and you become what? The beneficiary. You are the beneficiary of a person who is the one who has given you a gift. When a person gives you a gift, a comprehensive, important, and vital gift, you become subject to the terms of that gift. If they say to you, I give you this house, but you must take care of it. The terms of giving you that house is that if you don't take care of it, they can take it back. So the one who gave us life has a condition over us. That is, we must live that life in accordance to the terms. Unfortunately, as a non-Muslim, you may not know the terms. But I'll tell you this. If you are living in a house, and this is law. This is called ipso facto law. Read it in the law books. It's called ipso facto. By virtue of the fact that you are living inside that house, it means that you got to pay. You can't tell me you walked in a house, decorated the house, you're living in the house, you furnished the house, and you don't know who owns the house, and you've been living there for how long? How old are you? 20 years? You've been living in that house. So somebody comes along and asks you, excuse me, sir, uh, did you know that I own this house? You said, no, I didn't know. Well, how long have you been here? I've been here 20 years. Okay, sir, by virtue of your living here for 20 years, you owe me 20 years of back rent. You would say, you have to give me evidence. You must give me evidence. So he pulls out a piece of paper and he says, here's the evidence right here signed by the court. This is my property. I've been away. I've been in another country or whatever the case might be. I don't know how you got in my house, but you got to get out tomorrow or you got to pay the back rent. You would not have any argument once he produced evidence. All you would ask him for is to give you time. So I say to you non-Muslims, you have been living in a house for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. You have been living in a house that has been given. You have not paid any rent any day that you have been inside that house. So you might be asking yourself the question, what kind of trick question is that? I am not living in a house, I am paying rent on the house that I live in. No, I'm not talking about the house that you got furniture in. I'm not saying the house where there's an address. I'm talking about the body that houses you. That's your house. That is your house. The personality that is you, your name, your person is inside of a house. It's called a body. I ask you, this body that has grown from where it is until now, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, I ask you where did it come from? How you get inside that house? What rent you paid on that house? What maintenance have you done on that house? What appreciation have you paid on that house? What tribute have you paid on that house? What tax have you paid on that house? What agreement do you have on that house? What contract do you have for that house? Absolutely none. So what you think? You've just been given a house for nothing? Tell me the landlord that you have right now, don't you have the obligation to pay him something? Don't you have the obligation to recognize that landlord? Don't you have an obligation to respond to that landlord? Don't you have an obligation to pay tribute to that landlord? Don't you have an obligation to take care of the house that belongs to that landlord? Well that landlord is the Lord of the land or the house that you live in. But there is another Lord! a greater Lord, a Lord that has created and sustained all the houses that we live in, called all the human beings and all the bodies. I ask you, is that Lord, that one that created and that one that gave us, the one who is the one that gave benefit to life and existence, is that Lord worthy of recognition? I'm asking you, non-Muslims, 10 or 15 here, Raise your hand in agreement with me that if you knew who was the Lord and the sustainer of your life and your body, who is the governor of your life and gave you that gift, if you knew who it was, like your landlord, don't you think you should at least recognize, raise your hand if you agree with me. No, don't, don't raise your hand like this. Because if I told you that I had $100 for you, if you just recognize that, just raise your hand, you'd be trying to reach for the sky. So now I just recognize, I'm not asking you no trick question. I'm not gonna trap you. I'm just asking you a simple question. Don't you think that the one who is responsible for giving you your life, sustaining you with all the functions of your body and your person and this life is worthy of your recognition? If you do, please raise your hand. Good. Don't you think that that same Lord is worthy of some kind of tribute? I don't mean you got to pay rent. I don't mean money. I don't mean month to month, week to week. That's not what I mean. I mean tribute, that you should at least give praise, thanks. Don't you think you should at least be thankful, be grateful, be mindful? Don't you think you should pay something, pay attention? How many of you would at least think minimally we should pay something? Good. Finally, if that Lord, if you came to know that Lord, if you came to know about that sustainer, if you came to know about that one that he has given you also, conditions. You don't know the conditions right now. But if you came to know those conditions, and they were very simple conditions. The sheikh, he said, the main condition of life is to... Do good. Speak good. Work good. Be honest. Be decent. Interact with people. Be respectful. Pay tribute. Recognize. Be honest. Produce good actions. Share with people. Be honorable. Be decent. These are some simple conditions. So if the Lord of your body, of your life, the one that gave you this life, the one that you say you're willing to recognize, the one that you say you're willing to give tribute to, don't you think that you would be willing to abide by two or three simple conditions? How many of you would agree to that? Two or three simple conditions, I said. You wouldn't agree? I'm asking you, I'm not talking to these Muslims here, I'm talking to you. And those over here, those 10 or 12, 15 people that raised their hand, I mean, follow me now. Follow me now because that same one, that same one, could snatch your life right now. You could drink a glass of water and choke on it and die right now. You could eat some of that popcorn and choke on it right now. You can walk out of here and trip and fall and break your neck right now. Your heart could stop beating right now. Your eyes could just bust out your head right now. You could lose your breath right now. This could happen right now. So don't be thinking that you got a whole lot of time to think about it. Now, I'll be thinking about that next year when I'll see this guy when he come back, or I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to read a book or something. No, right now, you need to think about it. Because tomorrow morning you could be dead. You say, oh, not me. Yes, you. Death comes to pretty ladies. Death comes to young people. Death comes to handsome young men. Death comes to people who is all dressed up. Death comes to people who just graduated. Death comes to people that ain't ready yet. Death comes quick. Death comes without an announcement. I'm talking to you that you need to answer this question just as if you didn't have any more time. So let me ask it again. Don't you think that the one that you said you would be willing to recognize, don't you think that the one that you would be willing to give some tribute to, Don't you think that if there were some small conditions for your living your life, which is some that I just named, that you and I would be willing to at least observe those conditions if it was vital to our life? How many would agree to that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All of you. Good. Okay, all of you right here, you have virtually become Muslims. Because to be a Muslim is to recognize that there is none to be worshipped, None to be recognized, except that Creator. Is that Muslims, is that correct or not? Is that correct or not? Yes. And to be a Muslim, it is to give tribute, to give praise, to not only to recognize, but to do something that is evident through the tongue or through the body, to give praise, to give thanks, to show your appreciation. That is one of the second conditions of being a Muslim. And the third condition is to abide by the rules. Abide by the rules. The basic conditions. If you are at least willing to do that, then I say to you that you should understand what it means to be a Muslim. Now, I didn't say be an Arab. I didn't say be a Pakistani. I didn't say be a African, I didn't say be an American, I didn't say be anyone other than one that submits, one that recognizes, one that pays tribute, one that fulfills the basic moral responsibilities, because that is the object of the life. Let us continue. This is our life that is on earth, and if you think about life itself, life has two kinds of ends to it. When I say ends, I mean life has two kinds of manifestations. There is a micro and there is a macro. Micro means all the way down to what we cannot see. Microscopic. Microscopic, it means microscopic used to be what we call atom. 20 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago, the smallest part of life or matter was called the atom. Is that correct or not? But now those of us who are involved in quantum physics, those of you who got your PhDDDs, you know now that the smallest matter is no longer the atom. It is not even no longer the microatom. It is something they call the quark. You know, is that right or wrong? Quark. The scientists came up with a word, quark. This means some kind of micro part of matter which can hardly even be seen or imagined. It can only be understood through quantum physics. But there's also now something smaller. It's called the microquark. Maybe 20 years from now, they're going to come up with another word, you know, which is smaller than the microquark. Because as we... As we develop and sophisticate our scientific knowledge and to discover evidence with instruments, we start to identify different things from a micro point of view. And we can continue to go down because there are finer, 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 smaller, smaller objects, but we find no matter how small, how micro they become, still we are able to what? look at them and see they're organized. 30 years ago, there were computers, they were called, who gave me the name today? Mainframes, is that correct? Mainframe computers. A mainframe computer maybe sat in a place like this. One computer sat in a place like this. And maybe that one computer, 30 years ago, it had the capacity of what we call one gigabyte. One gigabyte. A mainframe computer the size of this building, one gigabyte, subhanallah. You know what I found out? They have a card like this, a card like this, now that has on it five or ten gigabytes of information, a card like this that you can carry around in your pocket, five or ten gigabytes on a card. This is because of scientific, technological advancement. That's called micro. Let me give you another example. Micro to macro. Macro means the furthest out that you can go. The largest, the most complicated out that we can go. Let me give you an example of that. This is our Earth. And our Earth is a part of the solar system. Our solar system is a part of our galaxy. And our galaxy, in our galaxy, our sun is one of the smallest stars one of the smallest stars in our galaxy our galaxy is called what? it's called the Milky Way galaxy a galaxy is a number of, a cluster of solar systems solar systems means systems that revolve around suns like ours stars that are suns glowing heat with attraction like ours so a galaxy is a cluster A galaxy is a cluster of solar systems that are swirling around, organized around stars like our sun. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, has billions of stars in it. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, has billions of stars. Our sun is only one star and it is a very small and not fairly, it's not even bright star. The galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is a part of something called a nebula. A nebula. What is a nebula? A nebula is a cluster of billions of galaxies. Can okay, imagine this now? A nebula is a cluster of billions of galaxies. All of them swimming around, floating in orbit without clashing with one another. Since some kind of intricate organized orchestration, and there now have been discovered billions of nebula. Billions of nebula. So, therefore, going out into time and space, the human being's mind cannot imagine a nebula. You can't imagine billions of nebula. So from micro to macro, we see the organization. So if there is organization, I ask you the question, therefore, if there's organization, it means it is designed. If it is designed, there has to be what? I ask you non-Muslims, if it has been designed, it has to be what? A designer. If it has been fashioned, there has to be what? A fashioner. if it has been determined it has to be what someone that has determined it if it has been proportioned put into form and shape someone has proportioned it if it is controlled, if it is under control it is not clashing it is not just spurious is well organized then that means that someone is controlling it if it is being sustained not by its own power, but giving some kind of power, then that means there is a sustainer. If it is created, there has to be what? A creator. If everything in life is subordinate to some will, some law, some power, then it means that there has to be a power, a supreme power. If it is put together, on the basis of organization and will and principles, there has to be knowledge. That's how we come to know about it. And therefore there has to be a supreme what? Knowledge. If it exhibits power and it also gives us a certain amount of power, then there has to be what? A supreme what? Power. If it has will and it has given to you and I some limited will, it must have a supreme what? Will. If we are living and we have been given life, then that power is able to give life and then that power has the will to to itself be everlasting life. That means a life where there is no beginning, a life where there is no end, a life which is not controlled, not constrained by space or time, and that is one of the attributes of the Creator, Al-Hayy the life giver, also if that same life giver has commanded that everything that has life must die, then that means that that life giver has absolute power and determination. Now I say to you that your life is a gift. I say to you that you did not choose. I say to you that you do have the right and the limited will to divert or to govern. That's all you have, a limited will. Now you can do what you want to do. The non-Muslim sitting here. You can be whatever you want to be. You can follow whatever you want to follow. You can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. But I say to you that you have a choice to govern your life. You have a choice to make the right choice or the wrong choice. You have a right to submit. You have a right to determine. You have a right to say that I'm willing to follow the conditions. You have a right to do that. Or you can just say, I'm rebellious. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to have fun. I'll tell you what living your life and having fun is going to lead you to. Today, the people that seem like they're having the greatest time, having all the fun, is these entertainers. These bling-bling people. Like Britney Spears and like Destiny's Child. You sisters know who I'm talking about. These little bling-bling whores. Now, she wasn't a bling-bling whore when she started out. She was a little girl with blonde hair, hopping around and skipping around. She was, a, she was, at that time, innocent. Her mother and father was letting her dance and sing, and you know she got on the radio and the TV, and she got some awards, and she was still a virgin at 13. But by 15, she was a prostitute. And now she's 19. She's 20. And she had prostituted herself in about 19 different countries. 19 years old. Can you imagine a young girl started out innocent at 13 years old and she is the hero. She is the model. She is the, she is the poster child for all of these women and she's nothing but a bling bling whore. And all these other bling bling criminals that our sons and daughters are wearing their shirts, wearing their coats, wearing their jackets, wearing their hats, m m 50 Cent, wearing wearing all all their shirts. These are our heroes putting up their posters. What are they? They're bling bling criminals, dope sellers, fornicators, liars, stealers, cursing God, cursing their parents, killing people, selling drugs. And these become our heroes. These movie stars, they become movie stars. They become television stars. Hip-hop, they call them. New generation. Hip-hop. They are going to be hipping and hopping. <laughs> They're going to be hipping and hopping. They're going to be snap, crackle, and popping in the hellfire. Yes, they will be hipping and hopping. Because that is the final consequence for corruption. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, ul-ihsan illa al-ihsan." Is there any other reward for good other than good? If you don't do good, how do you think you're going to expect good? So as a result, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us that all of these people who seem to be having fun, who have become the heroes, the television, the movie stars, the poster stars, the magazine stars, looking like they're all happy and proud and big homes and big money, so far, they are the most miserable people. They die early, they are diseased, they live with despair, they wind up lonely and living in dark places. They are the most frustrated people, and when they die, they have no legacy whatsoever. Why? Because everything that the Creator told us not to do, when we do it, it winds up with disease. You name it. If the Creator told us not to drink alcohol, what is one of the greatest diseases in the world today? If the Creator told us not to use drugs, what is one of the greatest diseases in the world today? If the Creator told us not to fornicate, not to commit adultery, what is the greatest disease in the world today? Sexually transmitted diseases. If the Creator told us to be fair, don't take interest. What is the greatest source of stress in the world today? Debt. Everything the Creator said don't do, if you do it because you have the will to do it, it ends up with disease. Everything the Creator said to do, if you do it, it winds up as a gift. It winds up as a refinement. It winds up as an acquired habit It winds up as something that you can leave as a legacy. If the creator said, do good actions, a person that tells the truth, he builds around them and insulates around themselves children, society, corporation, business, government that is built upon truth. Truth only leads to truth. Lies only lead to lies. When the creator said to us, perform worship, recognize Pay tribute. Complete the terms. When you see that a person is driven by faith, when you see that a person's life falls within the parameters of faith, a person's conscience is driven by faith, when a person, it brings about honor, it brings about integrity, it brings about strength, support, reputation. Today, as a result of the fact that the Creator has said to us, respect each other, we have no more family values. And what has the loss of family values led to? Again, disease. So the non-Muslims sitting here, I'm saying to you that you have a personal responsibility. Your personal responsibility is to make the choice to bear witness, to accept, to declare, to put yourself on a path where you recognize your creator. And secondly, not only that you recognize your Creator, but that you're willing to make some kind of tribute towards your Creator by either praising or by following or adhering. And finally, you have a choice. You have a responsibility to not only accept and to recognize, but to conform. Conform means submit. Now I ask you, if you didn't know before If you couldn't answer the question before, where are you coming from, you can answer it now. You will not leave out of here today and say, I don't know, because you're lying if you don't know. If you say to somebody you don't know, you will be lying. So if you came here ignorant, you are not leaving here ignorant about that issue. You now have the responsibility because you have been told where you came from. You may not want to accept it. You might want to be blind to it. You want to play around a little bit more. You want to fornicate a little bit more. You want to drink a little bit more whiskey. You want to take a little more drugs. You want to dance a little bit more. But you know now from where you came from. Secondly, if you don't know where you are headed, if you want to turn your eyes away from where you're headed, you know now where you're headed. I ask you then, since you know from where you came from and you know where you are headed, are you willing to accept the responsibility of your lives to govern your lives accordingly. Now, I'm not asking you, I'm not saying to you, you have to be a Muslim. You have already accepted the premise and the responsibility of submission. I asked you the questions, you raised your hand. I didn't trick you. The question is, are you willing to be responsible for this? Being responsible means to say, Yes, I accept this responsibility, and I want to govern my life if I know exactly what I should do. Now, to be a Muslim, it only takes one to say, I bear witness that there is none to be worshipped except the Creator. I bear witness that there is none to, be, to govern my life except the will of the Creator. And I accept also to tribute, to pay a tribute, in my life, through my actions, through my words, to attribute the right names to the Creator and to pay a tribute through my actions towards that Creator. I'm willing to do that. And also, if I knew what the Creator wants me to govern my life by, I'm willing to govern my life by that parameter. Now, I ask you this question. Those of you who are non-Muslims, could you please one more time, please identify yourselves. Just one more time, please. One, two, three, four, five, six. Somebody that holding their hands up before it was 15, now there's six. Now did somebody disappear or what? Can you please just raise your hand so I can just count you, please? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. Okay, four people disappeared. Now we Muslims, it is not our job to make Muslims. We are not Jehovah witnesses. We don't knock on doors on Saturday mornings and we don't have no pool in the back. We're not asking you to come forward and jump in no pool and be baptized. That's not our responsibility. But what we are asking you is we are offering you a treasure. That treasure is to discover your purpose in life and to take hold and to take charge of your life. We're offering this to you, not because it's ours. We offer it to you because we are aware of it. And because we're aware of it, we want to share that with you. Now I ask again, how many of you that are non-Muslims would accept the premise that there's only one creator, one power, one life-giver that is responsible for our lives? Can you hold your hand up again, please? There's one. Only one? How many non-Muslims would accept the proposition that there is only one power that is responsible for our lives, one power that we should attribute, that one we should pay to, one that we should give our lives and our energy and our thanks and our praise for. How many of the non-Muslims would accept that? One. Two. Three. Is there anybody else in this room who would accept the premise that there is none to be accepted as a power in their lives except the Creator who has given them their lives, who they are willing to make recognition of and pay tribute to. Can, you, can I see your hands again? And if you are, please, could you come up here, please? Just come sit right here. Is there any other non-Muslims in this room, out of the 10, 11 or 12 that I saw their hands, who would be willing to accept the premise that there is only one power in this world, one creator for this world, who has given us life, who we should recognize, who we need to pay tribute to in our words and in our actions, and whom, if we knew the law, if we knew the terms that we should conform our lives to. Can you come up here and sit down here, please? Okay, so one, two, three, four, five. Five out of the five out of the Original 15 or 12 or 13, I don't know from here, I can't see them in my glasses. I'm wearing glasses anyway. So I, maybe I didn't see the right numbers or they disappeared or shrunk down in their seats. I don't know. It's okay because I realize, I realize that sometimes in this kind of a gathering, it is very difficult for people to accept something in front of a whole lot of people. Now I ask these young people here, first of all, why should they be Muslim? Why should they be Muslim? They don't know about the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Do you know about Muhammad? You know about Muhammad? Do you know about the Prophet Muhammad? Peace and blessings be upon him. Do you know about Muhammad wasallam? Do you know about Muhammad ﷺ? You know about Muhammad? MashaAllah. So you know about the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. Do you accept that he is a prophet of Allah? Do you accept that? Do you accept that? Do you accept that he is a prophet? Do you know that he is a prophet? Do you know that his relationship with Jesus Christ is like that? You accept that? Huh? Say say what? You heard. All right, let me just give it to you like this here. If Muhammad Peace and blessing be upon him. If he said, I am a brother to Jesus Christ like the other prophets of God and if Jesus Christ confirmed him and the prophet Muhammad, if Jesus Christ prophesied him and the prophet Muhammad confirmed Jesus Christ, would you accept both of them could not have lied about each other? Would you? What about yourself, my friend? Would you accept that? Yes. But you don't believe it. Okay. You don't believe it because you don't have any evidence. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes. The evidence of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, is found in his scripture. That's one evidence. But you haven't read the Qur'an. Is that correct? You've read the Qur'an. Do you believe that the Qur'an was revealed? You're not sure. Let me give you some evidence. If the Quran said, "Khalaq insana min alaq," it's a statement. The human being was created from a hanging clot, hanging clot, hanging from the womb, from the from the uterus. That was 1,500 years ago. Could the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, could he have known that? Because this was just discovered 63 years ago, in case you don't know. It was just discovered by science that the clot hangs from the womb. So if in a revelation the Prophet said that the human being was created from a clot that hangs from the womb, he had to receive this from some supernatural source. Would you accept that? Yes. Secondly, if the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, also said through this Qur'an, wal وَالْقَمْرِ إِذَا laha." that the sun and the moon, they swim in their own orbit and that was just discovered just 87 years ago, then that means he had received that information from some supernatural source because that was revealed more than 1,426 years ago. Would you accept that to be another point of evidence? Is it reasonable to accept that if that was just discovered, that... that 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 Okay, good. That's another piece of evidence. The third piece of evidence is that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, is the most visible, documented human being in all of history. This means there is no other human being in the annals of history whose life has been documented in such detail other than that of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. And if that is also true, he had to be a phenomenal person. Would you agree to that? There it is. Good. Well, the last thing I want to say to you is not proof that we need, but more than 86 different historians came together about 17 years ago to formulate what 100 human beings are the most, hu- most profound human beings in history. And they had 30 different categories. And after they met, they came upon one individual whom they feel out of those 100 was the most profound individual based upon that criteria. And if these people were non-Muslims and the person that they determined was Muhammad peace and blessings be upon him, would you also agree? And one of those categories is that there was no evidence that could show that what he said about himself being a prophet or his relationship with Jesus Christ or his revelation or his manners or his conduct or the categories of his life disproved anything that he said. That was one of the categories would you also accept that those non-muslims who are the greatest historians in our time would you also say that that is another sign and evidence that the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi was in fact an authentic prophet and messenger good good so then i asked the final question if you would accept the premise that there is none to be worshipped except the creator who is one you all accept that one But you are a bit reserved yourself in regards to the life of the prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. But if you, in the course of your investigation, was to see the evidence, you would accept. Is that correct? That's enough. So I ask you, all five of you, to say, there's none to be worshipped except the creator. Just say that. There's none to be worshipped except the creator. Can you say that? there's nothing worse worship except the Creator. Now in the Arabic language the formula, the same words, is to say la ilaha illallah. Like when you go to a doctor, the doctor examines you. The doctor, after he examines you he makes a diagnosis. After that he makes a prognosis. After that he makes a treatment plan. After that, he writes a prescription. Isn't that the process? Writes a prescription. When he writes that prescription, what language is it? What language is it? You don't know. I'll tell you what it is. It's pharmacological language. Pharmaceutical language. It is Latin. The pharmaceutical language is Latin. Are there any chemists in this room here? Are there any chemists in this room here? The language of pharmacology, the pharmaceutical language is Latin. So the doctor, he writes in Latin and he sends you over to who? The pharmacist. The pharmacist reads it, fills the prescription and gives it to you. When he gives it to you, he writes on that bottle what that generic medicine is and how you should take it. Is that what he does? You don't read the Latin, but you accept and you trust that doctor and you trust that chemist and you take that medicine. Is that correct or not? I'm saying to you that what you have just said That there is none to be worshipped except the Creator. You have said the same words of la ilaha illallah. That is the formula. Now, if that is the case, if you accept la ilaha illallah, you have passed over the threshold of faith. That's what you have done. Now, it has already happened. Inside of your hearts, it has already happened. We are the witnesses. That's all we are. Now, we are not tricking anybody here. Nobody will get paid. I don't get a 1000 dollars ahead for whoever stepped up here, and there's no trick here. This is for you to accept or for you to reject, and even after you accept it, if after you walk out of this room you scratch your head and say, oh, I changed my mind. You can do that, and nobody will have any right to say you must pay any penalty of anything. It is your gift to take away, your gift to follow, or your gift to throw away. So I want you to say with me la ilaha illallah say with me la 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 ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah now for my brother here what's your name Richard your name is Rashid no no no, no don't don't no no laugh In Arabic, his name is Rashid. Because the people who took that name took it from the Arabs. The name Rashid was made into Richard. But the human being cannot be Rashid because you are not the one that guides. You are the servant of Rashid. So in Arabic, actually your name would be Abdul rashid But the people who took the names, they were so arrogant, so they just said, no, I ain't taking no Abd." I just said, call my name, Richard, Rashid. So you are Rashid. You are a witness. You are a witness. You are one who witnesses into guidance. So, Richard, for right now, maybe you don't want to say that Muhammad is the messenger of God because you don't have the evidence of that. So you stay with just La Ilaha Illallah. But what's your name, my friend? Huh, Martin? Huh, Michael? Mikhail, one of the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not an angel, but your name is Mikhail. So, Mikhail, you know about Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him. Is that correct? And sister, what is your name? Melissa, and what's your name? Huh? Melanie, and what's your name? Daniel, Deen Allah. Daniel means Deen Allah. It means, Deen means the one who pays the debt to God, from Deen. Deen Allah, the one who follows God's religion. You don't know that's where it comes from, but your name came from that. Daniel comes from Deen Allah. So, Melissa, Melanie, Daniel, and Michael, I ask you to say, Muhammad al-Rasulullah. That means Muhammad is the messenger of God. Say, Muhammad, 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 Rasulullah. Now, you have said, la ilaha illallah, and you have said, Muhammad, Rasulullah, sallallahu For Richard, Richard has agreed that he needs to know more about the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu and that is your right to know. You should not accept anything which you are not sure about. You should not uh, accept anything which you need to have more information about. And that's okay because one day a woman was captured by the Muslims. You see, when the Muslims had some interaction with some other people. And so the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, he said, any non-Muslims who have been captured, if they accept Islam, set them free. And he said also, if any non-Muslim who has some knowledge and teaches 10 Muslims, set them free. So the companions of the Prophet they said, oh Messenger of Allah there is a woman she cannot speak. So how will we know? He said, ask her, where is Allah? And when they asked her, she said, he said, set her free. So Richard, we accept, based on that, that if you said, la ilaha illallah, we accept you to be a Muslim today. But we say to you, you need to read starting today find out if you accept that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah because then your shahada or it will not be activated because you will not be following. You follow me? You follow me? Okay. Now, Danielle, Melanie, Melissa, Michael, today I'm saying to you if you accept this, you can begin your lives, you can take charge of your lives because Islam is beautiful. Islam will give you all the answers that you need. If you didn't have answers in your life, you got them. If you don't have a Qur'an, you will be given one. If you don't have the evidence of the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, you will be given that, free of charge. Will the brothers here promise to give that to them? Will the brothers here promise to give that to them? You have it right here. Can you give it to them, please? So if you committed any sins, Michael, I know you're not an angel. So there's something that you have done that you owe to God, and something that you have done Melissa, something that you've done uh, Melanie, and something that you have done Daniel and Richard that you have done that only Allah knows. Today, becoming a Muslim, your slate is clean. You owe nothing to God. You can start out from tonight fresh and clean, except for debts. So if you owe me some money, or you owe somebody else some money, you still owe that money and you got to pay because your faith does not wipe out debts but your faith does wipe out, your acknowledgement does wipe out any obligation that you have towards God and the other thing is that anything good that you did in life will be magnified to your benefit is that fair? is that fair? that is something that God gives to the person that accepts Islam now what is your name young lady? excuse me? Christina Christina Christina. so that means the woman who is Christ-like, that's what your name means. The woman that is Christ-like, Christina, that's what it comes from. To be Christ-like means to be a servant of God. To be Christ-like is a person that submits themselves to God. So you are, you are typical to your name because you came tonight. To basically accept that there is none to be worshipped except the Creator. Is that correct? And you are also willing to accept that Muhammad is the messenger of God. Is that correct? (laughs) Alhamdulillah. So you say after me, Christina, say, La ilaha illallah. And say, Muhammad rasulullah. And all of you say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And we also, also always say after the Prophet's name, Salah, Lahu, Alayhi, Wasallam. That means peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So, Daniel, Melanie, Melissa, Michael. Christina and Richard, we ask Allah to bless all of you and we ask you to remain in your place right here so that when we finish raising whatever we have, we can give to you another part of the gift and also I ask the Muslims who know these people, who brought these people here, the friends or the associates or the co-workers or the colleagues or the family members who brought these people here, you have a responsibility to make sure that these people understand Islam properly, to stay next to them, help them work out their problems, attach them to the community, teach them how to pray, to purify themselves, give these sisters the particulars they need to know about their deen, and stay next to them and support them. This is your responsibility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah bless Danielle, may Allah bless uh, uh, Melanie and Melissa and Michael and Richard and Christina. May Allah bless all of you inshallah. Nicole, do you accept the premise that there is none to be worshipped except the Creator? And do you accept that Muhammad is the messenger of God? You accept. And I also add, Nicole, were you born a Christian? Were you born a Christian, Danielle? Were you born a Christian, Melissa? Michael, were you born a Christian? Richard, were you born Christian? No. Were you born Christian, Christina? Yes. Then in saying that you accept that there's none to be worshipped except Almighty God, in saying, La ilaha illallah and Muhammad Rasulullah. I also ask you to repeat, along with saying that, another statement. So before we do that, Nicole, say after me, La ilaha. Illallah, Muhammad, Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, he used to ask that when people came into Islam, especially from Christianity, that they also accepted that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, is the spirit and the word given to Mary from Allah that He is the spirit and the word given to Mary from Allah Do you accept that? Do you accept that Danielle? Do you accept that Melanie? Do you accept that Melissa? Do you accept that Richard? Uh, uh, I'm sorry uh, Michael Do you accept that Richard? Do you accept that Christina? Then say that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is a spirit and a word given to Mary from Almighty God and that Mary is pure, that means that she did not commit any kind of sin by virtue of giving birth to Jesus Christ who had no father. That's what it means. You accept that? Yes. Then, Nicole and Daniel and Melanie and Melissa and Michael and Richard and Christina. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he guide you and that he preserve you. And especially our brother Richard, we ask that Allah make it clear to you, that Allah expedite for you, that Allah make it easy for you to understand and to bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Almighty God.